0: Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week is just Eric Devine. It's a two-man show this evening. Liga always throws its fair share of curveballs, and after the European trip for all the teams in midweek, could they repeat their business when it comes to league action? Well, all of this and more after the latest headlines. A full slate of Liga action started in earnest Friday evening as Paris Saint-Germain travelled to Caen, coming away with a decisive 6-0 win led by Edison's Cavani's four goals. Saturday's early match had the league's best defence travelling to Monaco, who responded to PSG's win with one of their own, a late brace from Thomas Lemar, leading to a 3-0 victory. In the multiplex, goals were at more of a premium during these evening fixtures, with just eight across the five matches. Angers continued their turnaround by defeating Bordeaux away 1 0. Carl El Toco Ecambe on the score sheet for the second match running. Gangomp had gone down to 10 men away to Toulouse, but nevertheless managed to take the lead through a Jimmy Brion penalty before the host responded with a pair of goals from Bro- Martin Braithwaite and Jimmy Dumas to win 2-1. At Nancy, Nantes had taken the lead through new signing of their own, Mar- Marius Stepinski, but Loic Puyo's free kick ended up being the equaliser in a one all draw. Elsewhere, Dijon and Metz played to a scoreless draw, while Lorient finally got off the mark at home to Lille, courtesy of a Benjamin Mucanjo penalty. Sunday's early match saw Montpellier generally have all the better of Nice, but Eunice Bellander's late strike against his former club earned Les a draw ahead of their derby with Monaco on Wednesday. The early evening match saw a bit of drama as Sant'Etienne won 1 0. Despite Robert Beric's early penalty miss, the substitute Roman Amuma hit the winner from the spot in injury time. The final match of the weekend was the Olimpico, and even without the travelling fans from Lyon, those at the Velodrome showed they were ready for plenty of action, smashing the windows off Lyon's bus. The match, however, lacked the drama of the build up as it ended in a scoreless draw. In Ligue 2, Brest won to home to to Auxerre to go top, but second-placed Amiens have a game in hand, their fixture away to Gazelik-Jaxio having been postponed this weekend. And that's all for, for the news, but remember to keep up to date with everything to do with French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start with Friday's game where Paris Saint-Germain and Edison Cavani bounced back from midweek heartbreak to batter Call 6-0. The Uruguayan grabbed four in a starring role, Eric. Uh, is he back to his best, or is this at least a hint that he could be coming back to the form we expect from him?
1: I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, first of all, we have to take Calm with a grain of salt. The way that they try and play on the counter means that. They're frequently going to be caught out in defense. Uh, the likes of Damien De Silva and Sian ben uh do get forward on occasion with the ball at their feet. So Monaco are always going to have – or sorry, uh are always going to have their defense stretched, especially with at that front three of, of Lucas, Di Maria, and Cavani. Really stretching play well. Rabiot had a fantastic game as well. Um, but I think, yes, I think that I've always been someone that's – defended Cavani. But and going back to his his time as a striker uh, in, w- during Ibrahimovic's, uh, a couple of injury layoffs during the most recent seasons, he had been a decent scorer. But then once Emery came in, I'll admit my mind changed. Paris Saint-Germain, I know friendlies don't count for much, but Cavani looked off the pace there. Again, coming back from Copa America, there's a bit of a caveat. But then seeing how the team performed in that, in that, uh, trophy de champion match. And to start the season, it didn't look like Cavani had a role in this team. He was still snatching his chances. Uh, you know, he scored against Monaco, but he didn't look to have that sort of fluidity. But now, you know, we see in this match and, and Lee wrote a nice piece on the site about this, that I urge everybody to check out Lee Davy, Uh, I, I think that there is something to be said for, for this. I mean, this is the thing, even though he's played with De Maria and Lucas for, a little while now, it's been on the left, and it's it's not been. It's it, they haven't had time to establish a chemistry. So, I think there may be something to him being able to rehabilitate his reputation. Now, let's be frank. At this point, Emery sort of forced to play him as a striker, uh, given the form of Hesse and uh, Ben Arfa, who have also played up top uh, in that role under Emery. So he's left with few options. Let's be honest. I mean, Jean Cabin Augustin is there as well. And I think hopefully he'll get, he gets a chance midweek. But the, the reality is Cavani is the only option. But that being said, I think that, you know, now that perhaps he's had a little bit more time to play as a central striker, he shows some really nice moments of interplay with both Lucas and Di Maria uh, at the weekend on, on Friday, that is. And, uh, and Maxwell as well, I think, was did really well to get forward. And I, I think there might be something to be said. Again, you know, they're playing Dijon midweek, you know, they're, and they're playing Toulouse on Friday. Let's, let's see them tested against just a stronger opponent. Um, but that being said, I think there are, there are encouraging signs there. and just for confidence. I mean, we know that Cavani is a confidence player, and being able to score four goals like this, I, I think he hasn't done this in a match since he left Napoli, I'm pretty sure. Um, so just to have him have a boost in confidence and to continue to gain that rapport with Di Maria and Lucas, I, I think we will we'll do well for him but I think the jury's still out as to whether he's you know at his absolute best or at least a level approaching uh, that what we saw from Ibrahimovic last season.
0: Yeah and I, and I agree with you Eric. I think the four goals that he scored in this game really should if 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 anything boost the confidence that he probably lost in that in the Arsenal game where he missed so many chances and was so criticized for for not putting Paris Saint-Germain out of sight before. The English side had a chance to really pull themselves back into the game, but he did. The difference between this and the other games was the movement has not been really an issue. He's been getting into the right places and getting onto the end of things. He's just not been finishing things. He's been snatching at chances. You've as you've mentioned, he's he struggled, but he's, he he it looked more cultured. He took his time. And the first goal really settled him. The penalty helped as well, and then against a con team that did invite pressure on, really he really succeeded in that role and scored some good goals. But I also want to mention, very um, you mentioned him very briefly in those list of attackers, and that's the substitute who did come on in this game, uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin, who did play a role sort of playing as a central striker and grabbed a goal in with 10 minutes to go. Um, we've already mentioned that Hesse not particularly worked in that area and, and Hatem Benoff is maybe falling out of favour a little bit. Is it a really good chance for him to step up and become that second striker behind Cavani when they need it?
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I think that given the fixture congestion at PST you're starting, I, I, I might even look to see him start uh, both matches, uh, mid end and on Friday against Toulouse. Uh, given given that PSG, you're going to have to continue with their Champions League team and three points will become uh, a little bit more of an imperative uh, now that they've moved past Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal are like PSG you're going to probably be looking to get maximum points off the other two teams in their groups? Uh, Basel and Udinese, I believe, are the other two, and it's 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 pretty imperative that Cavani be fit and fighting for that. So I'd look for Augustin to start both of the next two matches, and hopefully he can, given the fixture congestion that PSG will face, become that second striker. I think that he's shown uh, with his international play this summer and with with what he showed as well in the friendlies in the United States that here that he, he certainly has, has that in, in his locker. And I think that, you know, PSG have so many options to score goals and they're never going to be outclassed in domestically. So, you know, he deserves to have some, have some opportunities. You know, I think that, you know, Monaco are leading the table now, but, monaco are are wonderful to watch, but they have a pretty short squad and i think I don't think that come the end of the season that they're gonna they're gonna be on the top of the table so you know give Augustine those chances in the league give Augustine those chances in the cup uh let him make that quote unquote backup striker role his own uh because that will allow uh emery to keep keep Cavani fresh for these big matches i mean let's remember that in addition to fixture congestion, Cavani uh still has to make uh, at least three more trips this season to uh, South America for a world cup qualifying with Uruguay. So that's, that's consideration as well. They're going to need to have someone who is not flying all around the world uh, and, and still playing, still trying to play in every match. So a second striker is absolutely imperative for PSG to have any sort of success this season. And I think that Augustin, uh, based not only on his goal, but what he's shown for the international under 19 uh, French team deserves to, to have every opportunity to take that role
0: absolutely and and i even mentioned it on thursday show that they were probably looking towards january for a for another striker and if he can fill that role it's it's a, it's a great bonus for them but i i do want to mention the change of formation that Emre displayed a little bit in this game we've we've he's predominantly used that 4-2-3-1 so far this season but he changed it slightly to more of a 4-3-3 with Blaise Matuidi, Rabiot and Krikoviak starting. And then with Lucas and Angel Di Maria more in those out-wide positions again. And it it created some really good moments. And I, I thought it was much more solid. Colm really didn't put anything together, although they're not the most successful of sides. It, it, they were struggling to really break on, on Paris Saint-Germain. And, and like other teams have this season so far, I mean... Um, Saint goal essentially comes from a break on, on the in the uh in the draw last weekend, uh, and having that formation just seems more balanced, even if you do bring Javier Pastore in for Matuidi as, a, as another center midfielder. I still think having that balance of, of a 4 3 3 works better in this team, and we've mentioned it before, Eric, really, about his formations well, so far. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have to respectfully disagree, Nathan. I, yeah. I think that the 4 2 3 1. With Pastore at his best in that central role, I do think provides more solidity. I think that if you have Krakowiak and Rabiot sitting, uh, you, you that allows Rabiot to go and join the attack, uh, or Matuidi could play that role to be an extra attacker. And it also, uh, given the ability of, of the two fullbacks, uh, whether it's Krcoviac and Aurier or Mounier and, and Maxwell, uh, you get you have a little bit more protection and the mobility of Krakowiak and/or Rabiot and Rabiot or Matuidi uh, to Really allow the front three to to do to do what they want to do. I think that uh, it's. I think that it gets the best out of Pastore, and he. I think you know as as fantastic as Di Maria can be, uh, especially how he started during the, during the earlier parts of last season. I think that uh, there, the, he's still not. For me, I think he's, he's someone who, as talented as he is, is not going to get this done on work ethic. He doesn't have the natural talent that a Pastore does to give those genuine moments of class uh, that we've seen in a, in, a, in a team that wants to be a Champions League contender. And I, think, I think Pastore has to be privileged here uh, and being be played in the four two three one. 3 one I mean, he was given the number 10 by Emery, and that, that's a pretty big statement of intent on the manager's part. To say, listen, you are the player who's going to lead this team forward.
0: Hmm. It's an interesting point. And, and I, I counter that with another one. of I would say, and it was proven in the last couple of games, even though they, they didn't pick up wins, that crucially Marco Verratti is the most important player in this team. And um, in a 4 3 3 with possibly him, Krakowiak, and Rabio, maybe, I think that's probably at the moment, at least on form. Paris Saint Germain's best midfield. I know I would agree with you that if if Javier Pastore is in the in the form in full form, I would start Verratti and Kuroković behind him. But in current current form, I think that that four through three offers them maybe it still offers the front three those f- freedoms. I think Rabiot's got the energy and the um, willingness at the moment to to push forward and back as a, as a box to box. Verratti does sit a little deeper playing as that deep line playmaker and it still allows those front free the, th- the freedom, but we'll, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree a little bit on the formation, but it also shows the flexibility they have at this season compared to, to previous seasons. Cause we were, we were questioning their midfield last season of, of not being flexible enough and not having the right players to, mm-hmm. to change in those areas. And that's where they struggled. So it's, it's, is that, a, is that a good thing from Emery to have so many different options and in attacking areas as well? It, it's, it's a blessing that really was missing from Blanc, surely, wasn't it?
1: I think so. I, I think we, we can point to the injuries to the likes of Verratti and Matweedy down the stretch last season as being something related to Blanc's overuse of these players. I think that Emery has shown a willingness to rotate, and I think that especially as Verratti and Metuidi return to full fitness after the summer exertions, uh, you're going to have uh, Koviak as well. I mean, having played in the Euros as well, there's going to be a good amount of balance and flexibility there. Um, again, I, I, I can agree with, with what you're saying with the four three three. I think it makes sense. But I think at the very top level, um, in Champions League knockout rounds, I, I do think the 4 3 one makes a little bit more sense, uh, given how effective it was for Sevilla. Uh, under Emery, and I think this is with better players even. Um, but again, I I think that the yes you, this team now ha, now you look at the team that played on Friday against Kong, uh, that's a, a fine starting lineup. But then you we look at the bench: Mata, Augustin, Pastore, uh, Thiago Silva, and Verratti were all on the bench. Um, so, and that's not even to mention Ori or- or- or and Kurzawa. Now this team really has the depth to contend on all four fronts, and that's what they were lacking last season. Because uh, whether it was Matuidi, whether it was Verratti, whether it was even Ibrahimovic to some to some points, uh, these players got tired, they got overused, and uh, I think that was a lot of PSG's undoing. I think that they had they certainly had the talent when when fully fit, and you know, in, to to take on anybody. But their loss to Manchester City, I think, was down to well, Blanc's tactics to some extent. But also, those tactics were a matter of necessity in that instance due to uh, the short squad that he had the time due to, in- due to the injury crisis.
0: Yeah, and, and it's great for Paris Saint-Germain to get on, back on the horse, especially in league terms with that 6-0 win. But I do want to mention Colm briefly. They've, they've won two and lost three, but a heavy defeat to Paris Saint-Germain again, and they they didn't really put any up any kind of fight really. Um, do you worry about them still this season? Or do you think that some of the results so far have shown that they've, there is a bit of life in them this campaign? Uh,
1: well, I mean, yes and no. I feel like they've, they've struggled a little bit to, uh, to refresh this team. And, that, and that's the issue. I mean, Herve Basil was, was fantastic a few years ago. Uh, hasn't really shown much form either this season or last. Um, the players that they brought in, the likes of Vincent Bessa and Ronnie Rodland, have done fairly well. But again, you know, they're not spring chickens themselves. Um, we do have the youngster Karamo, uh, who who's been playing quite a bit on the wing. There's also Jean-Victor Makengo uh, who's a more central player who I think is really fantastic, but hasn't get, been given much of a chance. So I think that I think that that's that's a bit of the problem that Garand has. These has these players, but who are who are nominally talented, but there's no there's no live wire, there's no spark, um, and without that, I mean Julian Ferre is a fantastic player, you know, I love his creative impetus, uh, but there's a predictability and a, a sort of a almost a weariness to the way that Khan can play at times, and for for all the talent they have, you know, there's not that. Look, okay. we, see, we see this from Augustin. We see this from, from Marcus Coco at, at Ganga. We see this from Tama Lamar at, at Monaco. I, I mean, again, I'm not I'm trying to imply that Kahn should have a player uh, that's of that ilk. But so just to give more of these young players a chance, I mean, Kahn have a, a pretty strong academy. We talk about uh, you know, Rafael Guerrero, I think, making that big money move to Dortmund and, and playing fantastically well at a totally new position uh, for uh, Dortmund at the weekend. And there is a history at this team of, of bringing these young, younger players through, but, uh, and, you know, Angola Kante as well. But where, where are the players that are being given a chance now? I mean, Nicolas Sub, you know, Steve Malbronk. It's just, I, I want to see a freshness and energy, something that'll that'll give this team a little bit more spark. Uh, I know the loss of Eddie Delors is a big deal, but Santini, I think, has a lot of the same qualities uh, and and should be able to be enough of a replacement for Conte to avoid relegation. But I'd like to see them be just a little bit more uh, attractive going forward.
0: Yeah, and I think you've already mentioned one there, Yang Caramo. I've, I've been impressed with him so far this season and his endeavour, at least, if anything. Um, and they just need more players like that that will just like you mentioned, it, the problem they had at, at the weekend was that any attacks were being broken up before they ever made it anywhere near anyone like Rodolan or, or Caramo or Santini. So they never really got into any final third of the pitch and if they, it, it's okay against Paris Saint-Germain, you sort of get a free swing, I would have, really in league against them, but you worry against the, it that, like, the game in midweek might be a big game against, against Angers. If they, if they can get a result there, that will be big, but yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you in this camp. They look a little bit old and and weary in that middle of the park, and like they need that little spark, that little X factor to to really punch up this season. But they, they two wins in the bag at least will give them some breathing room heading into the next fixtures. But we move on to the to- table toppers currently who are rolling on from their great win at wembley. um they monaco now lead ligaen by two points after a strong 3-0 win against ren. eric are they true title contenders this season? I think absolutely. I said this in the previous show. I thought that given the
1: lack of or sorry, the lack of certainty given over Nabil Fekir and the lack of certainty over Alexander Lacazette's situation uh, vis-a-vis the transfer market, I thought that Leon we're gonna be fine but not they wouldn't be second place I thought it'd be Monaco and I think that they have they've really borne that out I think that they have fantastic depth they have fa- fantastic positional versatility uh, the likes of a Moutinho, a Silva uh, Adama Traore, Gibraltar deudebe uh, Fabinho, all these players that can play in multiple positions and even though they don't have a very deep squad a couple key injuries I think could really set them off uh, we, we should be careful about that but I think that top to bottom, particularly as Falcao, seems to be rounding back into form after uh, returning from his most recent injury. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to really appreciate uh, in this squad. And, uh, the young right-back, uh, Amami Torre, had a fantastic match at the weekend against Ren as well. Um, so, yeah, if, if they can stay fit, I, I think absolutely they can continue this form. Again, fixture congestion is going to be an issue. Maybe it wouldn't be the, the worst idea for them to dog it a little bit in either the Coupe de la Ligue or the Coupe de France. It gives some of uh, these other young players more of a chance, maybe the likes of a Bashilia or, uh, or a, or uh, a, oh, the young striker, uh, Quentin Jean. Quentin Jean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I, I think that as, as Monaco can sort of balance their demands, um, they've got a, a great look at the Champions League. Um, Mendy, Benjamin Mendy is still, still yet to come back, but uh, they do have more options in, uh, in terms of these younger players, uh, if they can find that balance, I think absolutely they can they can maintain this. I do think that Nabil Dirar, um we missed this last week, that he's been ruled out for about six weeks um, after coming off against Monaco. And uh, that's that's a serious concern for me. I think his work rate and his defensive effort is really important to providing cover uh, for for the right-back position. Uh, he's another one I think is going to be important. But again, yeah, Uh should should it should they
0: stay fit? I, there's no reason for this run not to continue. Yeah, it's really disappointing to see him go off after he's had a great start to the season. But you've already mentioned the depth, and just looking at the squad at the moment on the league on website, they, looking at it, there's so many players that have seen at least a little bit of action this season. There in their squad list, there's not a single striker that's not had at least a, a, a match under his belt or at least a half an hour. And there's no midfielders that haven't seen the field. And there's literally two defenders in Pierre Daniel, Nguida Ndifon and Medi Benedin that haven't seen the field. And that shows you exactly the trust that not only the manager, Leonardo Jardim, has in these players, but also the incredible depth. And you mentioned the amount of people that have those extra positions they can play in, like Fabinho can play essentially across the back four or in the midfield if you needed to. Dribbio um, Sidibi could play in both wing-back positions and probably on the wing if you really needed it because you could use Al-Mami Tor- 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 Torre who played really well at the weekend on one of the full-back positions and you could switch Mendy onto a different full-back position. They have so many different options, but I do want to mention, you mentioned that um if one injury or a couple of injuries um, were to happen, it might derail them. <laughs> I'm going to point out someone that I, most people will probably point to, it, and that's Bernardo Silva. Is he still the absolute key in this team and the one that really glues everything together?
1: No, it's Fabinho. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I, absolutely. I think that the energy and work rate that Fabinho has put in, uh, when he was first being deployed in defensive midfield, I, I want to say it was the end of, I'm not sure if it was the end of 2015, or 14, 15 season or last season, he started being played uh, alongside uh, Jeremy alone. Uh, he had a fantastic teacher in Toulalan to play alongside in in that in that four-two-three-one, and I think that he's he's really uh, grown in stature and grown in maturity and grown in importance. I think that you know what we want to see from this this central area from this box-to-box midfielder is a level of judiciousness, a, a level of consideration with when to make a run, when to make a tackle, and we're seeing this time and time again from Fabio that. His ability to figure out how he wants to use his talents, uh, you know, thinking about that goal from that goal against Lille, when to run forward, when to make a tackle, uh, when to make a pass. I think that, that that's going to be, you know, the absolute, the absolute uh, most imp- most important thing. Uh, Monaco's dominance in midfield is what allows these other players, whether it's a Lamar, a Silva, a Moutinho, to to do their to do their work and it also is what allows those those attacking fullbacks Mendy Winfit, Fit CD Bay uh, to get forward knowing that you have the mobile likes of Fabinho and Bakayoko alongside him uh, to 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 do that work and you know in his in his career you know Fabinho has had a solid discipline and you know he's got he's got a, a good a good knack for a pass and he's and that central part of his game, you know, that linking play from the defense to to the attack is continuing to develop in a really impressive way, and I think that as that continues to go, he's he turns twenty three next month. Uh, you know, I, I made a, a remark on Twitter that I think Fabinho could be uh, Monaco's record outgoing signing within a couple of years, and of course, you know, I got some backlash saying, oh, he's going to be sold for more than Martial. Well, I mean. If, if the right team wants him, I think, I think he really has the potential to be on that level, to be one of the world's best all-around midfielders. Um, he's not going to be as, as inventive going forward as, say, you know, a Paul Pogba or uh, you know, a Miriam Pjanic or a Tony Kroos, players like that. But at the same time, he has just that little bit of solidity. And if you had him you know, in a team at, at the very, in the very top echelon, I think, he, I think he'd fit right in, frankly, at this point. You know, we see maybe Real Madrid needing a a, a player other than Casemiro to to be an orthodox defensive midfielder. Well, I think I think you could fit that bill pretty well. Uh, so to me, I think I think he's been the ever present. He's he's played seventy matches over the last two seasons. He's been he's been there for Monaco. Uh, you know, throughout you know a raft of injury injury woes last season. So many players missed time last season. I think that was a lot of their undoing last season. But now, you know, they've got a smaller squad. They may, maybe have made some mistakes, I think, in some of the players they sold. Martial Tisserand in particular, I don't really get that, given the fee uh, and what central defenders go for. Uh, but I think Fabinho, for me, is the most important player.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and uh, I'm going to make a very brief comparison for, for Fabinho and, and cut me off if you disagree, but he reminds me a little bit in that midfield area, because he's a great right-back as well. Let's, let's not forget that. He can really play there if someone wants him. But he reminds me a little bit of N'Golo Kante when he was at Leicester, that he can be literally everywhere on a pitch when you need him. And he can. he's not too bad going forward. He can put a pass. He's got great timing in the box. I think he is a little bit like that. If you were to compare, if you don't watch him on a week to beat basis and you needed a quick comparison, I'd very quickly. would you maybe agree with that? Or am I going up for barking up the wrong tree here? Um,
1: I think there's something to be said for that. I think that there's a little bit that, whereas Kante for me, I think is a player who relies more on energy and industry. And there's a little bit more, a, a culture to the way Fabinho plays his game. I mean, let's, let's face it. He's, Also, Monaco's penalty taker on a team with the likes of João Moutinho, Falcao, Lamar Silva, players who are recognized for their attacking talents. You know, this guy, young guy at 22, is the one who's taking their penalties. So I know penalty taker is not necessarily an indication of, you know, a player's, you know, Offensive gifts, but it does speak to some to some ability. You know the understanding that he he has he has on the ball. I mean, we think about you know other excellent penalty takers like, you know, perhaps a Leighton Baines, uh, someone who who rarely misses penalties. Uh, that there's a there's an understanding and a judiciousness on that player's part and, and a level of of class and culture and craft. Um, I, I think that the Conte comparison. Well, Fabinho can play that role. Uh, I think there's more to his game, and I think that you know we see. Okay, for example, talking about, again about the fee, the money that uh, Lester recouped from Chelsea in, in in that move. I think Fabinho, uh, give him another two or three years, or you know, put him on a, put him at a, a level higher than Linga. I think he's got every chance to do that. We we look at that match from last week, and you know, gosh, Spurs are one of you know the best high intensity teams in england i know pochettino probably made a mistake by uh by playing ali in central midfield rather than sissoko or dembele at the start but seeing monaco boss that midfield against you know one of the supposed best central pairings in england you know i think that says it all right there that he's he's you know, ready to take on the world. Now, personally, I hope it's at Monaco, and I hope that you know they do well in the Champions League and do well in the league. But uh, let's face it, this guy's destined for bigger things.
0: And, and I, I do want to big up his uh, excellent midfield partner and Timu Timmy who's been fabulous this season as well. Um, he's really come on, and he's it, it's such a shame that he missed so much time with with injuries and not quite mm-hmm. getting into the squad and. He's really really coming on strong. He reminds me a little bit of uh, he's got a little bit of everything with him. He's got uh, he's really good in the tackle. His positioning's really solid. And his little runs from midfield uh, are again reminiscent of Yaya Torre for me. The 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 power within them, the the very subtle skill that he can do with his feet to to drift past players with ease. He almost seems like he doesn't shift out of gear, second gear when he starts running, but no one can touch him. It's so strange when you watch when you watch it, and it does, it's so reminiscent of the Ivorian, and I think, again, he's another one. If they keep those two together this season, my word, they're a really good partnership, and they do allow those attacking players that Monaco have got in f- in fabulous areas. Bernardo Silva's such a wonderful footballer, and Gio Moutinho's really bounced back from a, a season and a half that was not necessarily his best, but he's really starting to find that, that role in this team again, and we all know there's, the qualities of Thomas Lamar. It's great to see him back again and really scoring two really good goals against a Rennes side that we were mentioning, Eric, in the preview show. They should be caught. They've got the strongest defence in Ligue 1, but we did think that this would be their clearly their toughest test so far. They They held out for quite a bit of this game, but did the class really show at the end? And is this is there at least hope for Ren against other teams in this division that their defense can hold out a little bit stronger?
1: Uh well, I mean, if if it's down to the the, I don't want to say well, maybe I do, <laughs> the ahead. sheer ineptitude of of other teams. Yeah, I think that they've made they've made some some good moves over the summer that I think give them a little bit more balance. Uh, I think that uh, Remy Benzabaiini, who was uh, at Montpellier last year on loan, I think is a big upgrade on at left back from Shaken Bengay. Uh, it allows Ludovic Ball to play further forward, and I think he's been really, really great this season. I think he was, you know, easily the best player on a very poor Longs team a few years ago. And that uh, you know Gorkouf is trusting a little bit more in these in these veteran players. The sale of St- Stephen Morera uh, to Lorient uh, as well it brings Roman-, Roman Danze back into the side. Still only thirty, but I think was a really an integral player uh, in Wren's better teams back, maybe going back five, six, seven years ago when they were in the Europa League a couple times. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's they're still a good team, but I, I think you know the defense got found out by you know a really informed Monaco. But yeah, I think that Wren should be where they were last season, uh, sixth or seventh. You know, if they can really get the attack going and Tep gets back to full fitness. Uh, the youngster Adama Diacabe has looked, looked decent. Uh, he had a, a really nice goal. And, you know, there's, there's and Camille Grisicki's coming back to fitness too. I'm trying to think about my team, uh, Pedro Enrique. Uh, there's enough opportunity here, I think, for, for Ren to be one of the better teams in Ligon. Uh, but I, I'd say probably fifth is their ceiling at this point in time.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Christian Gorkov still needs to find a, a, the right spot for the returning job, George, Paul Georges and Tep, and get him firing and going again, because he's still clearly one of the more talented players on this team. And and looking at that Monaco team again, they played 4-4-2 at the weekend. They seem to be able to morph into any sort of team they want to be at any moment, and that's why they're top of the league. But let's talk about another team now that have succeeded at the start of this season, and despite... A goalless draw against dijon at the weekend mets have made a surprisingly strong start to the season they sit in fourth level on points with paris saint-germain and with three wins in the bag already what do you put their excellent start down to eric i think that they're a team that's you know been willing to it's it's
1: just it's just properly motivated i mean i think that there are i mean headlined by obviously my erding they're a team that's got the right the right amount of veteran presence to players who want a who, who want uh, another chance uh, in, in in Liga. But there's also some exciting young players. I mean, the goalkeeper Thomas Didion has been great. But I, I'm thinking particularly the likes it besides Erding, Frank Frank Signorino and Jan, Jan Juf, who again is uh, you know still struggling with injuries. But Renault, Renard Coad as well uh, has been. You know, a great, great uh, driving forward from midfield. He's, you know, he's I think someone who's been given a new lease on life after. Uh, to be fair, someone middling uh, his time at time at Cetetien. So yeah, there's. I think that there's a there's a that set of veteran players uh, is well motivated to keep, you know, keep themselves and keep the team in Liga. Uh, with Erding as well, I think that he's someone who's been on the fringes of the the Turkey national team, and I think. You know, perhaps having a a bright start to to Liga or to life with Mets in Liga, I think is someone who can work his way back into that team. And I think that that's a motivation for him as well. He's always been sort of an inconsistent striker throughout his time in Liga, but yeah, there's just the right balance—the right balance of veteran players who have lots of Liga experience, uh, but also you know some of these younger, more more exciting players as well, and a headline by Didion. I think that. Another website I write for uh, outside of the boot, we've we've managed to we spotlighted him quite a bit in the early going as being, uh, you know, one of if not the best uh, keepers going, especially given his age. I think was he twenty one, twenty two? No, he's twenty. Geez, he's he's not even twenty one until later this year, Um, and and he's been fantastic to have that that sort of pressure put on you to be a team that's going to be scrapping for relegation I mean let's face it Mets have had a good start I think best case scenario they could be you know like an Angé last season maybe you know doing well but telling off and finishing mid-table uh whereas you know to have that sort of pressure put on you at, at 20 years old uh, I, and to have the response he's had I think is 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 pretty fantastic so I think that yeah, Mets have just struck the right balance, and and that's that's really what it is. They're they're not, you know, they they're not. How should I say? They're not overloading on on one type of player or the other, and and they're doing well.
0: And I agree with you. I've, I've been really impressed by Thomas de in the in the goal. I think he's been superb for his age, and I think the success of Mets speaks to a lot of things when you're a promoted side in any league, and that's getting an established goal scorer who knows how to score in that division and and we all know Mevlut Erdin is er, Erding, sorry, is is exactly the kind of player to do that. I know he's only scored in, in two games and two were penalties and he, he scored a hat-trick against Norton and he scored twice in that opening winning against Leal. But having a player like that who you know will get you goals just adds to the confidence in your team and he's essentially won them two games with those goals. I mean, there was an extra goal in that opening game that eventually won them the game, but his two set them up and and put the ball, got the ball rolling. His hat trick against Nantes was really really good and really clinical from him. And getting that kind of player in your team really gives you a little bit of a boost. But I've also been very impressed with Opa and Get, who's come. We've we've seen him in League One before with Valenciennes a few years ago, and he looked. It, it was it, I think it was when he was still about eighteen nineteen, and he was interesting and he had a little bit about him, he had a little bit of skill, a little bit of pace but now he seems to have put a little bit of a package together, he, he looks stronger certainly than he did a few years ago, he looks to be able to hold the ball up much better, his decision making is a little bit better, he, the way he set up the first goal against not just simply laying it off for Erding to finish superbly just that little bit extra experience and, and confidence in himself seems to have pushed him onto that next level. And that's the kind of play you need in this um, in these sort of sides, is a, a young player that gives you a bit of energy as well. I think Ism- Ismaili Sarr has been interesting as well whenever we've seen him play, adding those to the mix of the ones you've already mentioned of Renard Kouad, um Jan Joufra as well in those midfield areas, really add something to this team that just pushes them on to the next level. But you've you've mentioned already, Eric, that you think they're going to possibly tail off a little bit. But jumping on that, because we don't want to push them too far, there's a game against Bordeaux in midweek and Montpellier coming at the weekend, two relatively winnable games, you might argue. So do you think they have enough to stay up this season compared to what we have seen of Liga so far and with five games gone?
1: Sure but i but also I mean oh, that's with a big caveat I mean, let's face it, Nathan we at the beginning of this season, Lorient started poorly, and now they win there's going to be i think you can honestly look at any one of about ten teams that have potential to go down and go down this season uh and, and I think I, I would put Mets uh, in that group uh, you know. You know, you got Milan Bissabac still to come back. Kevin Lejeune, the captain, is is still yet to come back as well this season. So I think that there's a continued potential for growth for Mets, but at the same time, I mean, they haven't exactly played, you know, a murderer's row of fixtures to start. Uh, the win it, the you know, Nance, Angers, Angers on that kind of form either. Uh, you know, <sighs> let's see how these two matches go, I, I think, to get better judgment on them. Uh, honestly, to be fair, I think Montpellier is someone that we've been, we've been ready to slag off and ready to, pardon me, not take full consideration of, but they've turned in a couple surprising performances in, in the past couple weeks. I think particularly yesterday against Nice, they were surprisingly resolute and created some good chances. Uh, Bordeaux, you know, gosh, uh, talk about hot and cold. Uh, you know, pretty, defen- pretty, sorry, pretty disappointing against the defensive Angers side. Uh, so, but also, but incandescent against uh, Leon last weekend. So, who knows if they get four points out of these two matches? I'd feel a lot more confident about where they are right now. But ten points from five matches, great. I, I think that's a lovely start. I think that they are uh, a club on the level, given their fan base, given their history, that should be in Liga. So it's it's a good thing for the league to have clubs with this with this strong historical. Uh, basis if you will to be in the league.
0: Yeah and, and you've already mentioned it and, and we go on into the league medley looking at a few different fixtures now and and it is a pretty much a crab shoot from from Paris Saint-Germain down really there's only a lot of teams have already picked up at least a victory um even all the way down to 20th now with Lorient. but we we go to that fixture on Sunday night in the in the, in the Olympico game between Marseille and Lyon Eric, it finished nil-nil, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a dull affair, was it?
1: No, both teams had some good chances. I think Taliso hit the bar, and she had a chance late on to put it away. Uh, there was a goal from Darder that Corne was w- waved offside for. There was a, a clearance off the line as well uh, from Leon early on. So, yeah, I think it was it was a fairly entertaining match. Um, Leon had for the second match in a row, dating back to Wednesday's. Champions League fixture against Dina Mozagreb uh, trotted out this 3-5-2. Lucas Tusar came in for the suspended Maxine Gonalon in central midfield. Uh, and played really well. Uh, did get booked, but showed a lot of energy, a lot of industry. Uh, but also, and this is what worries me a little bit about Leon, you know, being being on, say, Monaco's level or PSG's level this season. Uh, that too often, again, as wonderful and as energetic as a match as Tussart had, too often he was the one that was forced to track back, and forced to cover the mistakes of the the three defenders. Morel had a decent match, but gosh, and Kulu and Yangu and Biwa, I'm still not convinced by. I think that that um, Tussart was too often for, forced to run back and, and cover their mistakes and. It it didn't it made for what I what I felt was uh, a little bit of a lack of continuity. And pardon me from from Leon going forward. Uh, you know, going alone, playing in that role, uh, is not as mobile mobile as start but also has that ability to with these long passes to break up play and to start the counterattack to set uh, likes of Ferry and and Dardare and, and Tolisso in, in this example uh, going forward. And Tussart's someone who's still developing in that role, uh, but you know, if Leon has to persist with this 3-5 or 3-5-1-1 for any length of time, I do worry about the efficacy of that central midfielder as being, you know, a starting point for the attack. And that to me is a little bit worrying. I, I think that that defense needs to get sorted out. That's, that should be, you know, again, back up to Lacazette is needed. Yeah, but I think you could still get by with Corney and Kalulu up there, particularly once Fakir comes back to health. But I, I think you know finding another central defender is going to have to be prioritized for Leon at this point in time. Uh, they will gain some confidence from the clean sheet, but you know the players are going to know, even if it says zero next to the opponent's name, how much of that was down to good play from uh, from Leon and how much of that was down to, to mistakes from Marseille. Um, yeah, so... Marseille, on the other hand, you know, look like they're getting a little bit more going forward. I think the Bouna now that he's been given more of a chance, continues to impress. I thought he was always, you know, a decent player and wasn't given perhaps as much of a chance as they should have uh, last season uh, by uh, by Michel. He's been given more more opportunities under under Franck Posse, and I think it has shown pretty well uh, both against Nice last last weekend and and yesterday evening against. Uh, Leon, I think he shows, you know, a willingness to, tr- to tackle back and he, a willingness to spread play and be an orthodox winger. Uh, whereas last season, Kudu in that role would like to cut inside. I think he provides uh, the team with a little bit more natural width. Uh, he's not the most cultured crosser of the ball, but I, I, I think that he also has a good ability to link play. So there, there's a little bit of a saving grace there. So I think, you know, probably a more encouraging result from Marseille. Uh, given that they're still trying to get their feet wet. I think that uh, Hiroki Sakai had, for the first time that I've seen him, and I think this is the fifth or sixth time I've seen Marseille play this season, uh, including friendlies, I think actually had a decent match. Uh, So that's to be encouraged as well. Maybe he's, I mean, again, he looked poor to start the season, but he's a Japanese international. Japan's one of the best teams in in the Asian Football Confederation. Uh, He's not, you know, at the level he is in the Bundesliga, in the Japanese national team, because he's a poor player. so he seems to be a little more comfortable. Uh, Doria and Hubachan, again, uh, seem to be growing in confidence. Uh, Henri Bedimo, I think, is can be an important player going forward from left-back. So, uh, yeah, Marseille, again, are not going to challenge for Europe, but I think that there are enough seeds of change there, if you will, uh, to give this team and to give their fans a little bit more confidence
0: going forward. Yeah, if you don't succeed, try and try again in the terms of Sakai, it seems to be at the moment. But... I agree with you with Marseille. It looks like they finally have options. I mean, they didn't bring too many in at the end of the season, but they're, they're trusting some of the younger players to start from the start, like Zambouanguisa, who's played the entire game. Lea played quite a long period of the game as well. But bringing on like, the likes of Z- being able to bring on Mashash and G and Cabela into a game, although uh, I would still argue maybe Cabela should start, but I know he's coming back from from a knock or so but they they finally look like they might be able to put something together where they're not scrambling for results and hoping for the best and and i agree that i thought they had some decent moments and i think that i like i like thomas uberchan i didn't think a player of his age and playing played predominantly his career in russia and i thought he was half decent when i've seen him in in champions league fixtures obviously i'm not it's a bit difficult to watch Russian football from the UK, f- f- as far as I know. But uh, he's really played quite well in that central area. Although he does play, he did play um, left back even for Slovakia in the game against England. So it shows his versatility. Should Marseille need it as well, which is a great plus for a, a team that's not incredibly in depth. But I also liked that Leon went with that formation. I know, obviously, it's probably need it's a needs must kind of situation with the amount of injuries they've had, but. Um, yeah, it made it. It worked against Dynamo, so why couldn't it work again? And, and it wasn't in. In at times, it looked like it was coming together, and it, it just couldn't quite pull off at times. But I do want to mention one last thing on Leon, and you might know what's coming, Eric, in the, in the fact that uh, they were in discussions and then out of discussions to sign uh, Bayor, the free agent. Um, would that have been a right move for them? No, uh, <laughs> they got
1: they got uh, young Jean Philippe Mepeta. Uh, instead, and I think Mateta is a fantastic player. I, I did I watched him in the Coupe de la Ligue uh, a few weeks ago, and he scored a hat trick. looks fantastic. He's big. He's six two, six three, but great movement, two footed. Um, I think that you know, if you need an extra attacker late in the game, he could really complement Lacazette well, uh, because he, he does have even though he's you know he can, even though he can function as a target man, he also has uh, the versatility and the in the foot speed. Uh, to To play, <clears throat> to play alongside, to play alongside uh, Lacazette in a more fluid system, playing the ball on the ground as well. Uh, you know, or if, if Leon had fixture congestion and Lacazette, you know, we've seen generally tends to miss some time each season. I, I think he's a, a suitable option as well uh, to start. You know, should pardon me, should uh, Leon feel the need to uh, mitigate their fixture congestion.
0: Yeah, and the the excuses that Adibayo has brought up of, of the the fact that they obviously he'll go to the African Cup of Nations with Togo are, whilst valid, do seem a little bit out of the blue when they must have known that that might have been an issue. But I would also try and come up with an excuse to not sign Emmanuel Adibayo if I could, because uh, he's, not, he's, he's probably had about one season where he's actually been super impressive to me. So... Probably a bullet dodged there, but going back to some league on games and Toulouse picked up a nice solid win against Gangomp, although it took a red card for Carl Johan Jonsson, the goalkeeper for Gangomp, and they went behind in this game, Eric, but fought back pretty bravely And that this is another really good result for them at home.
1: Yeah, I think that I really like the arrival of Jimmy Durmas. I mean, this is a Swedish international, someone who'd fallen out of favour at Olympiakos. Uh, but I think really adds that creative spark that they've been missing uh, on the, playing on the right wing. Uh, the goal, uh, that was maybe poor defending on Gangnam's part, but uh, he's, got good, he's got good movement. Um, he, you know, he's got a, a great eye for a pass, and I, I think that uh, you know, Braithwaite and Odson-Edouard, and and the PSG loaning, will certainly be glad to have service of his quality there. Uh, I think Toulouse are in fifth place now at, at, at the time being. Uh, and they've certainly Six. uh, they, yeah. sixth. Okay, they've certainly exceeded expectations uh, to start this season. Only, only one loss, only four goals conceded in five matches. Uh, they they are now, uh, I believe, the joint best defense in Liga, um, and that's a that's a pretty impressive start. Um, you know, Martin Braithwaite seems to be really taking uh, the bull by the horns. Uh, he, his contract's just been extended, uh, and I think that's a real boon for the club as well. So yeah, are Toulouse going to be a European contender? Probably not. Are they going to have to worry about relegation? I also think probably not. I think that they're going to be, you know, solidly mid-table where a club, a club of their their history, of their means, um, of their of their recent experience should be.
0: And yes, they, you were right. They're they're joint top with Monaco, Nice, and Paris Saint Germain as the best defence in the league. And it's a great result against a Gangomp side that's been pretty decent so far this season. I mean, we've been impressed by Marcus Coco, but he had to come off early, which is a shame. But they brought on a player like Ludovic Bla, who is expected big things, and he didn't quite make it in this match, but we might see more. And and when you're down to 10 men anyway, it does change. I mean, they brought off Thibaut Guress for the for the goalkeeper to be able to come on, which takes a little bit away from your attacking play. And from then on, it seemed almost inevitable that two's would pile on the pressure and eventually they broke them down and probably deservedly so in the end. But but another interesting game that at the weekend, and that was Nice's draw on Montpellier. And you've already touched on it, Eric, about the success that Montpellier had in this game. (laughs) so it was it more of a team performance this time it wasn't what we expected of the Riyad Boo show or was he again dictating just how good this team can be
1: i mean to a large extent yes but and oh, so i mean penalty was i mean yes it's a penalty but gosh for the for the handball on sar i, I really, you really have to feel for the young center back um yeah i think that they again this is probably a knee side that's you know Getting to be a bit a bit exhausted, uh, given the amount of fixtures they've had to play in the re- play with the with the, the match against Schalke, they you know worked their socks off. The likes of of uh, of Dalbert, Dante, Bice, you know are, are going to be a little bit <laughs> tired at this point. But I think that yeah, there there was good movement. I think that uh, in the likes of Sanson and Yacouba Silla, you've got uh, you got good dynamism from midfield, and Shkiri had a good shot as well. Uh, I think that as the, as that, as those quote unquote defensive midfielders, uh, I'm, I'm, again, you know, the has been played on the right a little bit this season. Uh, which I don't think it's a natural fit for him. I think he should be moved into the center to some regard, maybe playing in a four, three, one, two, um, to give Budabuse a free roll. But that being said, I, I think there's, uh, a, a good – there's there's enough sparks at Montpellier to, to make me not as worried about them as I had been, uh, say, three weeks ago uh, prior to the international break. They – those defensive – the qu- defensive. The central midfielders, as they gain more confidence, are going to be able to uh, link play to Budaboos better. And Steve Mooney, they've got a, a really nice young striker. Suleiman uh, Kamara, you know, is still dependable off the bench. He was perhaps a little bit unlucky not to have scored almost – force the ball over the line in the, in the game's dying moments and yeah I, I think that it, it's certainly an, an, again an, I want to say an encouraging result because it was, a, it was a little bit lucky but
0: it's Montpellier continuing to build in that regard yeah, and after, especially after what was a middling little start, but uh, again, Nice, you mentioned already, they, they, they did, they did look a little bit tired, and they they did make a couple of changes. I mean, Vincent van Condello didn't even play after after what must have been a, a really tough game against Schalke, because they really gritted down and tried their best. And William Ciprian didn't go from the start. They started with Suke and Belander and Lusamba and Walter in that that midfield area. So we didn't see any of Jean-Michel Serri. So you could see that, that they needed a difference. And, and it's a lucky result in the end for them as well, because obviously the Belander goal near the end just sque- sort of squeezed them past when it looked like they were going to go 1-0 de- away with, with nothing. But in the end, they'll probably take that as a solid result, how the season's gone so far. And they're still... After a really good start I and mean, a good couple of wins, they're still unbeaten, still in in those uh, second in second place at the moment. So they'll be at least happy with with their uh, outlayings. But uh, we, another game you saw this weekend, Eric, and another team that played in Europe midweek was Saint Etienne, and they got a, a, another one 0 win against Bastia. Um, it almost seems like that's the common theme with. With Santa Lever at the moment to to grab a goal and then and then sit it out was it was it a tough game again for them? Did they look a little bit leggy from their Thursday fixture? No,
1: I don't think they look leggy. They had a decent amount of rotation. Leo Lacroix came in. Uh, Vincent Pajot Tanan. Uh, but uh, I, what's frustrating to me is that Santa I think maybe got this transfer window a little bit wrong. Now now that I'm seeing the team in practice. Um, I liked the acquisition of Dabo. I like the acquisition of Veratu and Saive, two players that, you know, had had moves to the Premier League, didn't work out. Uh, but this team's still lacking a genuine creative threat besides Romana Muma. And I love Muma. He's capable of some wonderful moments. He's probably man of the match yesterday. Um, aside from Leka's penalty save, you know, probably had the, the biggest effect on the match. But Mm, I just—it's frustrating to me that a player who is who is inconsistent as Hamuma can be is still, uh, despite all this interesting transfer movement, probably the best uh, the best creative player that they have. I mean, you know, great to bring in these three midfielders and Veratuseve and and Dabo that they did over the season, but. Are they the creative answer to Saint, to sentence problems? No, because they don't have that ability on the ball, that ability to link play, to, to get the ball in via crosses, uh, that versatility in terms of ways that can be attacked, and you're you're forced to bring Amuma off the bench. Now, okay, with fixture congestion, is playing half an hour really gonna gonna wear these players down? Well, you know, maybe not so much, but maybe if you've got uh, some of these trips that sent a chance to go on in the Europa League, that that could be a middling thing. Maybe you prefer to leave Amuma home uh, on, on one or more of these trips. Um, and the, yeah, it's just not coming off the way I'd hoped for this, for this team in terms of being able to have that depth in terms of creativity. Uh, Tanan had a great start uh, after, having, after having arrived last winter, uh, but hasn't been anywhere near that player this season. And I think that, Galte was probably counting on him to to be that player, and, and it's it's not materialized in that way, and it's it's been a little frustrating. So I think that if say Titan are going to be active in the winter window, uh, they should ha- they should look for another another creative player, someone who can stretch play and, and draw defenders out, and also but also be able to turn inside and shoot, uh, and as as some can.
0: Yeah, and, and it is a it is a good result for them regardless, and, and getting those 1-0 wins. classic. Certainly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, Bastard are always yeah. a tough opponent. Although they can be a little bit seasick away from home. But um, we'll finish this week with a, a little rant from myself, and that's Lorient finally getting off the mark against a, frankly, um, frustrating and disappointing Leoside side, who've been that all season and they currently sit in 17th which might surprise a few people on four points they are five goals and nine conceded and while that total for goals isn't the worst in league One, they're just something about this team that's not quite working i mean we know how bad lorient have been so far this season and they were they were better at the weekend but they weren't much better and Lille have failed to register a shot on target against a team that had conceded 10 goals which is more than anyone else in League and before Con lost 6-0 at the weekend and it would still be the most if they didn't lose by that kind of margin how they couldn't find an opening against a team like that I will never know um, and just some of the, the some of the decisions from we we questioned Antonetti earlier this season and in the in the Europa League and they lost to Kabbalah and he, I just don't get. I just don't get him. I just don't get what the the team's trying to do. You look at the starting lineup. They've got um, Morgan and Amalfitano, Ronnie Lopez, and eddie as their sort of what I assume must be their front three. And then he brings off eddie for Nicolás De Preville, which if you saw Nicolás De Preville last season, he never played front really. He was more of a creative sense of putting him in that role. Doesn't make any sense having Ryan Mendes come on who could barely get a game for a championship side in England and still can't do anything in France either, mm-hmm. didn't make much sense either. And they're really lacking for anything. And I just I just don't know where this team's going. And if there's anyone on the hot seat now in Liga, it has to be Antonetti. And I, I don't know if you agree with me, Eric, but um surely, surely he's he should be looking over his shoulder in the next couple of weeks if, if results don't start picking up for a side that should be pushing further up the table again.
1: Well, I mean, I, yeah, I have to agree with you. And that's, this is why I was so baffled. This is why that contract was signed through 2020 uh, last season. And, and yeah, there's, there's definitely a lack of coherence, uh, a, lack of, uh, a lack of how to get the best out of these players. I mean, look, Frank, starting Frank Barry over, over Julian Palmieri. Palmieri was, you know, probably one of the best five left backs in the league last year at Bastia. And that's at Bastia, a team that, you know, don't exactly have a lot of flair going forward. Uh, he scores a worldie against Monaco and now doesn't start. Is he being saved for the midweek match uh, against, against Toulouse? Okay, maybe. But still, I, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Nathan. I think that given the quality of player, Ronnie Lopez is another one. Leo we'll have to be doing better than this. They, they have to be.
0: Yeah, and it's a big week really coming up from... We mentioned they go to Toulouse and then they... Well, I think, sorry, they host Toulouse and they they have Saint-Étienne at the weekend as well. Tough games, not easy chances with teams that are in a bit of form. And, and he might... <laughs> you never really know with Lille, he might be getting... a. Maybe a little bit warm under that seat, but that's that's all we have for this week. Um, my thanks to Eric for joining me and to everyone that listening at home this evening. Remember to tune in to our preview show that may have some highlights of those midweek fixtures on Thursday hosted by Eric himself. And we will see you again at the same time, same place next week. Avianto and farewell.